Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Something Inventive, time well spent. Al explains the importance of securing your website, how this helps SEO, and we share why we use WordPress. Um, I was at a workshop the other week with uh, the wonderful Jack McCautry. Um, and it was part of the Faster Business series of workshops we're doing. And we were talking about the 10 fundamentals of marketing. And, and it went really well. It's really, we had a group of, um, I, I actually don't know, I think about 30 people in the end over in Gloucester, some, uh, somewhere in the Gloucester council offices. It was a really lovely group. And yeah, we talked about what we believe are the 10 fundamentals of marketing. I'm not going to go through them here. I oh. will put a link. No, 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 we've got more to talk about. But it's really nice. I like, I like working with Jack. He's actually been on the podcast, I think, when you were off uh, one month. And uh, yeah, so we sort of split it tag team style. It went really well. And there's a fun photograph that I'll post in the links as well of everyone, um, which actually came about in a previous workshop. One of the attendees said, yeah, we always take a picture at the end of our workshops. And so we did a kind of a, um, not a selfie, but a group photo of all of us in front of the, the projector. And so I want to do that every single time we have a, a presentation now. Was it like that Oscars photo that... Um... Um, is it Ellen took you know that Twitter the one that went around on Twitter they're like the record for the Twitter that does look pretty that's a, like, that looks like a group of several of them taking selfies is that the one no I think it's it that, that classic one where they yeah it was every single like famous actor you could imagine all in one place at one time yeah yeah that is pretty awesome yeah uh, no it's not like that at oh, all right, okay. <laughs> um, so that was really good um, thanks Jack yeah we like working with you um, the other thing I saw uh, floating through Twitter was this gig poster. I don't know. Did you see it? I posted it into our um, Basecamp chat. I had a look. Uh, it's a gig poster, and it was designed to make it look like it was an iPhone conversation between the, uh, I guess, the promoter and the designer. I won't go into what it looks like. I'll share it. So you've got to look at our notes to find out. But yeah, basically, it looks like it's a screenshot from an iPhone of this conversation saying, yeah, I want to promote a gig. When is it? Just give me the details and I'll get that sorted for you. So he lists the details in the message and he goes, right, done. And and that is basically the, the poster for it. And I thought that's quite a funny, funny idea. And that was, I don't know actually who did it. It was by Dave. I'm not sure who Dave is, but it was shared by a Tom Wysocki, Wysocki um, who is at the afrix at the afrix i think that's how you say it um so. yeah but that's that's very good again I'll, I'll put the the photo or the link to his tweet in the notes for this podcast but it's uh it was just such a clever idea and almost obvious really i think it's a very good idea for the sort of group that they might be looking at to promote to um so that was that was something i saw recently and just finally just a promotion for lou a copywriter we work with who's also my wife i should say she she did a recent article which would have gone out on the newsletter if you've signed up for our newsletter talking about starting with why when you're promoting your business and basically this is a campaign that Simon Sinek is sort of pushing because he believes people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it and there's lots of good examples that he provides that will help you just change the way you're thinking a little bit in any promotional material. Basically, anything you're writing when you're talking to a customer, if at all you can come across and deliver the humanity, the passion, the reason why you do something before you start giving them the, the benefits uh, and the features and then how you might do it, it might actually help you start off that relationship on a better foot. And I mm. quite like that idea. 
I saw a great talk uh, maybe two years ago now in Bath, which was a marketing agency that had rebranded. And their key message, it's just a great strap line, was uh, built on purpose. Yep. Right. Because I like they, that. Yeah. So it, it just works on so many levels. So literally they did sit around and kind of build this thing on purpose. But also their whole key thing is built on purpose. So it's exactly what you're saying. It, it's that idea of why, you know, and they get really under the hood of their clients as to what it is that they do and why they do it. And rather than just produce nice looking material it's they just get you under the under the hood and i love that phrase built on purpose it's great yeah it fits well it's a bit like rather inventive we try and be rather inventive <laughs> but I've, I've always felt that the clients we work best with are the ones who know why they do things or at least have a passion for it so so they get excited about doing it they may not necessarily understand why so our, our job is helping them articulate that and i found that we work better that way with customers i found it very difficult just to box shift you know, to promote someone who just says, just try and promote that as much as possible, get lots of clicks through to it. And I, I, I found that much more difficult to do because it is, it is more difficult to do. It's much easier if someone has a clear sense of why they want to do it to then align that with customers and those customers to find them. So anyway, I'm not going to go into it too much. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you want to find it on our website, I'll just try and actually look up the link now so you can, you can find the title. Um, it is called Simon Says Start With Why. And so you can have a look at that. That should be um, should be on our site. If you had signed up to our newsletter, you would have got a copy of that plus some other cool stuff and a link to this podcast. So it's worth signing up. One thing I've seen um, interesting this month um, was I uh, saw an article on the BBC about this um, time well spent movement. And it, really, it's um, this guy who whose job it was um, to, um, I guess, cultivate people looking at their screens more so there's a big call for people who are quite expert in getting people to click through like clickbait adverts getting people to keep scrolling getting people to spend more time on sites mm -hmm. so it's like sort of like social engineering really um okay so that was his job and there's lots of people who have jobs like this which is very lucrative because obviously the sites then get money through advertising and it's all about screen time and it's all about keeping people scrolling um, and, and keeping people on the site. So he's kind of an expert in this. But he's almost like defected, which is really cool. So he's like saying, this isn't really good for people overall. This isn't, this isn't healthy. It isn't healthy. And, um, and he sort of, I guess, not had a revelation, but uh, he just sort of thought, well, we can do this and we can, we can do little mind games with people to get them to click through to things and to, and to not leave the site. But it's not, it's not right. And, um, and so... Uh, he started this movement called the um, Time Well Spent movement, rather than mm -hmm. Time Spent, which is what the, the the site owners and advertisers like to see, like that metric. Uh, it was a Time Well Spent. And um, he talks a little bit about um, measuring kind of difficult to measure metrics. So rather than the time spent on a site or how many swipes, you know, a certain site gets, it's more like how, how uh, well did this impact on someone's life? Or, or how did this improve yeah. their experience and stuff like that? Um, so he mentions one site, uh, which is like count, a couch surfing website. And he's saying that they're trying to implement this metric, which kind of works out how long two people spent together, like couch surfing, because they know that data. And then they work out an average of how long they probably did actually spend together. And then they work out um, like buddy hours. So like really well spent hours where they weren't on the app and they were spending time together with like new people so it's like how many mm -hmm. buddy hours did did we get last month 
And they're saying that's just a much more exciting metric than how long do people spend on the site? It's yeah, like, what I is see. the end purpose? And it's a bit like we were saying before. What's the end goal of this? Couchsurfing, mm. yeah, sure, they make money from from that but also it's about getting strangers to sort of meet up and have great fun shared experiences mm. you know showing each other around each other's cities and stuff so it, and it's it's getting to that so he's in, we're interested in those sort of stats and getting people to put their phone down and um and so he he does some things for himself which he kind of hides facebook and, and all and twitter and all these sort of social media things in a really hard to get to place on his phone <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like these little things because um, it becomes instinctive, you know, you've got a minute, you think, oh, I'll just press that, it's easy. But he sort of hides it in like subfolders on <laughs> and stuff on like the last screen of his phone. So it's hard to get to. And he has this really, um, he has this really great note on his computer that just says, um, uh, only click with intention. So it's like, it's fine to use these sites and to go on things, but don't go there unless you're intending to do something. Yes. Rather than just yeah. filling time because you end up going through this maze of different click-throughs and then you go to one side and you click through another one and then you watch a video before you know it half an hour's gone and you could have done something a bit more fulfilling <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah so, it's very easy or or you just make the habit worse i mean it happens with email for me and i'm very conscious of it and i try i mean it's not too bad but there are times when i might look at my phone and i'll just instinctively instinctively is the wrong word i have trained myself to click on the email button or touch the email button to to come up with that app to see if there's anything interesting in the email box most mm. of the time there is not <laughs> and it's only it's habit that will break you out of that so you need you need to just break that habit as he said by putting making it difficult for you to do it so it makes you think about it putting a post-it note on there or maybe even um apple could prevent could could put up a message to say are you sure are you sure you want to do this you know just don't do anything and we'll yeah. get rid of it for you yeah um I hope Lou won't mind me saying this, but um, she has something similar with Facebook. And she says she gets all these messages popping up on her computer and that mm. drags her back into Facebook. And yeah. I said, well, just disable it. Disable it from integrating into the OS and remove it as a, a regular tab that you go to, get rid of the bookmark. Keep it on your phone, but the phone is a different device. And you say, well, when I'm working, I want to focus on work. When I'm not working, I might be on my phone. And then I'm happy to chat to friends and see what they're doing. But I don't want to be interrupted all the time with these things that don't, I don't need to know right now. Absolutely. And the notification thing is one thing that this guy mentioned and that he was involved with. And this, this is notification. It's a fear of missing out. It's a fear of keeping up. And it's all these little, um, you know, human uh, needs and wants and desires that they tap into with these apps to get you to come back again. And you mentioned mm -hmm. the word habit earlier, which is interesting because it, it is an addiction. And it is going yes. to get to, and his guy's sort of realizing this is going to be an addiction soon mm -hmm. and that you kind of need more it's like if you really loved cake okay and every two minutes i went cake <laughs> you'd like some you'd be like yeah i'll have a bit, yeah. of, cake. Have a bit of cake and more cake there's some more cake available and you're like yeah i need, to, I need the cake and uh, so one way to stop that might be in the fridge like to put like a big post note saying don't eat the cake until later on you know and it's that what? sort of thing it's that meant you've got to really want not to do it no but along those lines um so snacks any type of snacking is if you don't want to snack don't put the snacks in your house. Don't buy them. Yes. So if you really want to snack, you have to go out of your way to drive to the shop, cycle, walk, whatever it takes to go to the shop to get your snack. Um, we find um, if we, we <laughs> there is no snacks in the house, so I have to make them. I mean, there are some, but they're like for the kids. So I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm 
also not allowed to have them, but I don't have them because they are kids' snacks, like, you know, a few little biscuits and things. And also we try not to eat wheat. But anyway, going down a rabbit well, hole there. Pom bears are so tasty, though. Yeah. <laughs> but there was nothing in there. Normally I make flapjacks. So they're our little snack that we can have in there that are as good for you as possible. <laughs> but there was nothing. And um, I had to dive into a packet of raisins. That was that was <laughs> what I had there. But they're actually, the good thing about raisins is they're not as moorish as pure sugar. So it's actually something where you can have a few that satiates that snack and you don't need to dive in where sugar never does that, does it? I mean, you can eat as many biscuits as you like and it never sorts mm. that. Anyway, that's a, that's a good rabbit hole to stop on. Um, um, is there a link? Can we go and is there something we can post so everyone can have a look? Absolutely. And you can actually sign up to it and say, do you know what? I'm going to be part of the movement that promotes time well spent and a lot of companies mm-hmm. um websites and apps are sort of signing up to this idea of just making uh, you know life more healthy through technology rather than replacing life with technology yes. so yes we'll put a link on there a worthy goal okay great we'll put that in after talking about time well spent al mm. um let's go over to um the ad read for be sociable this is the be sociable book and uh, why is it time well spent? Well, it's a very concise, um, easy to follow list of social media tips and strategy uh, to get you noticed by the right people and for the right reasons. You can go ahead and buy it for your iPhone, Mac or um, iPad um, from the iBook store. It's available at 9.99. Or if you want a free copy, just go to our website, ratherinventive.com. Sign up to our newsletter. It's at the bottom of every single page and you will get sent that book straight away as a PDF. It's not quite as spangly as the iBookstore version, but it's not bad for free. Why did we write the book? Well, I wrote it with a social media trainer, Helen Caldercutt, because there are thousands of websites, videos, books, tips, how-tos, discussion and argument around social media on the web. But to be honest, few are concise and easy to read and some are pretty awful. So it includes tips like getting a recognisable profile name, talking to Twitter as a person, or stalking your customers on LinkedIn, which I think is a particularly good one. If you want to get it, just search for Be Sociable Ben on Google. You can visit our website and click on the social book in the menu and get yourself a copy. It's only £9.99. Or if you want a free copy, visit our website, ratherinventive.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, enter your email and subscribe for our newsletter and get your free copy in your email. Lovely. Right, let's move on to some topics. We've got a lot. I don't think we'll be able to get through all of them, but we're going to go through them in order and see how we get on. We've got about half an hour. Let's see what we can do, Al. Let's do it. <laughs> Over to you. Okay. So, Oh, sorry. Before oh, we do that. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> I missed press. a podvert. We've got a podvert to do. Shall I wait a little bit? Shall I, I slip, yeah. slip some into our topics? Let's okay. mix up a bit, yeah. Let's okay. do it that way. All right. Okay, so the first thing we've got on our list is... Um, what is SSL and do I need it? So uh, I'll start at the beginning. Um, you may be aware what SSL is and what it does, but uh, let's just give a really quick overview. Um, it is essentially a protocol by which web pages uh, are delivered and by which you can post data over the internet, which is secure, um, i.e. Um, nobody in the middle could ever sort of untangle what it was you were looking at or what it was you were posting um so and that's often denoted typically by the little padlock on your browser and you usually see it on checkout pages or on your bank website um mm-hmm. and, and you may notice links having uh, https at the beginning um whereas on regular web pages or 
I guess you could say non-secure web pages, uh, you've got the HTTP at the beginning. Mm -hmm. The S on the end just stands for secure. And um, I was thinking uh, before the podcast, people would probably be like, why, why aren't all web pages just secure <laughs> to begin with? Why are there these two sort of modes? It's a good question, but I, I guess originally there was no need for it, uh, and it was something that was added on later. Um, yes. And also it does give a little bit of overhead in terms of uh, encryption and unencryption at the other end. Um, yes, so both your computer and the server have to do a little bit of extra work mm. to encrypt it before they send it. Yes, absolutely. Mm. But I guess these days with computing power being what it is um, and speeds, it's not such an issue. So if you run an online shop or you run anything that captures people's personal data, you really should be running those pages over SSL so that anything is encrypted. Two main reasons. One is, yes, it's encrypted. No one can intercept it. Secondly, it just reassures your customers that you're good at what you're doing and that you're looking after their data. We had a client recently, didn't we, where we were helping them. They had another developer and we were just helping them with some specific aspects on the site. After launch, one of the things that came back from people is that they weren't sure about some of the forms and entering their details into the forms because mm. they weren't secure. Mm. And that's because browsers might put up messages saying this this page is not secure. Yes, absolutely. And it, uh, this sort of leads me on to the, the next part of why SSL is kind of rearing its head as being an important factor in successful websites is that Google is well rumoured to be as a sort of search metric. I think it does. For, for the past couple of years, it has prioritised sites with SSL security. Google um, prefers sites that are running over SSL completely. Mm. So not yeah. just the checkout page or the basket page or whatever, but the entire website running under yes. SSL. Yeah, and that's it, their push, isn't it? Yeah. To make every single site secure. They are, yes. And so they put out sort of a message saying, you know, this is going to be a, or it might be a search engine enhancement, improvement for your site. But of course, if you think about it, that would be quite crazy for them to do it, actually to do that early on. So I think they've just put out this rumour and then everyone's mm -hmm. starting to change to it. Because uh, I read an article about it saying, well, if they did do that, it would wipe out a lot of, you know, organic natural results that have been there for goodness knows how long and replace it with anyone who just happened to be running over SSL. So um, I think what it is, is they've sort of said this and then slowly but surely people are switching to SSL for their entire mm -hmm. site. And I think at some point, yes, Google will then implement, you know, that kind of uh, improvement for their rankings based on it. Yeah, I think the way to look at it, it might change in the future, but the way to look at it is that if if you have a secure site over a competitor who doesn't have a secure site, but everything else is equal, you should get the benefit of that in search rankings. So you should be above them in search rankings. Yes. It might be at some point that Google will not allow people to go to an insecure sites in the future. But I think what this could have a, a, a positive effect on deprioritizing crappy marketing sites, bad backlink sites that have been around for a while, um, that, are, that are basically hanging around the, on the web but don't have, haven't had any active development. It may we may see a deprioritization of those, which is it could be a good thing. Hmm. So um, there was uh, the sort of general talk about maybe forty percent or something of page one listings for a search term now being under SSL. Mm -hmm. uh, the pages are like SSL links. Now you could argue that's because Google are preferring those 
Or you could also argue that they were there anyway, but they just yeah. upgraded to SSL because <laughs> Google told them to. So yeah. it's a little bit hard to work out what the actual cause is there. But it doesn't matter because SSL is going to be the way the web is going. And yeah. you will absolutely not harm anything by doing that at all. It can only be a good thing. So it's yeah. something you should think about for your own site. And that's something we've we've thought about. Well, we, we are doing from now on mm. is making sure that every single site is made as a secure site and and developed as a secure site mm. from the start. Um, it has been an option in the past, but we've just said, well, they, they are all secure now. There was a little bit of an additional cost to buy an SSL certificate. I don't, we probably don't need to go down that rabbit hole of explaining how to buy them and where they come from unless you want to. It would be useful just to give a quick overview of how you get it because you can't just make your site uh, secure by putting an S on the end of the HTTP. No, I wish. I wish that yeah, there easy. is a little bit more to it than that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Maybe it's worth it's worth diving into that. Well, I, I, I'm led by you, Al. So to get your site running under SSL, it's yeah, it's not just as simple as putting an S on the end of HTTP at the beginning. If only it was, that'd be great. You need to have uh, what's called an SSL certificate, which is something that's installed on your server. It isn't literally a piece of paper that gets sent to you. It is just some code, some encryption code that belongs where your website is hosted. So it's not really where your domain is held necessarily, but it's on your, your hosting for your website. If you run lots of different websites on different hosting areas, you'd need one certificate for each. Uh, now, there are lots of different types of certificate. Again, I'm not going to go into that too much, but depending on your setup, there's different certificates that would work for you. But let's go with a simple site. You've just got a domain name that has one website. You would just need the, I guess you could call it the you know, bog standard SSL certificate. Mm -hmm. These have different prices. They are typically a yearly thing, so you'd need to renew it every year. They can auto-renew depending on your host. Um, they do cost some money, but there's at least one that's free, which is a system uh, called Let's Encrypt, um, which a lot of hosting providers are kind of bringing on board. And you can just almost do like a one-click SSL install for that certificate. Mm. There's a few problems with that, but I won't go into those right now. That You don't really need to know about that. Perhaps that's something for a future <laughs> podcast. But the SSL certificate itself then would enable you to have pages running under HTTPS and you get the little green padlock. Brilliant. Now, moving on from that, let's say if you're creating a whole new site then, and you're doing it under SSL, that's fine. You really don't run into that many issues. It's when you have a, a site that's running under HTTP, so a non-secure site right now, and you want to change it to be HTTPS, that has quite a few different jobs within it to get it to work. Mm. Um, I mean, we focus in WordPress. There are certain things you have to do in WordPress in a certain order to kind of flip the site to be under HTTPS and for it not to break anything. Typically what you'll find, um, certainly in WordPress, is um, it'll make links to all the images and all your internal links to other pages. It'll put the entire link into WordPress in the actual code and that will of course have your HTTP link, which is not the link you want to have in the future. So there are certain tools you can use to go and replace those, like a bulk replace so that all those links get updated to your HTTPS links. There is also something you can put right at the root of your site in the HD access file, or if you're running Windows, it will be in your web.config file, I guess, um, which tells anything coming in, any, any request to maybe your old non-secure page, to say, no, give it the secure page. So it just kind of does a little redirect 
in there. Yeah, so it's, it's like um, you would have non-WW and WWW sites. So you might say, we don't want the WWW on the front. So mm -hmm. if anyone comes in on that, just dump them over to the corresponding page without. And it's very similar, isn't it? That it's like if they come in on HTTP, just move them to the same page, but with HTTPS. Yes, it's called a 301 redirect. So also any search engines that are still kind of indexing your old page will then index the new page. Google yeah. sees a HTTP site and a HTTPS site as completely different things. That's yeah. quite important to get your head around. It sees it as a whole new, because in theory, you could be a completely different website. It is right mm -hmm. in, in assuming that. You could have a HTTPS site with the same pages that is actually different content from a HTTP site. So it's really telling Google as well and any other search engines. Let's not forget there are other search engines available. That that um, is a bit of a pain um, in uh, Webmasters Google Search Console because you need to register four variations of the site: the non www, the mm -hmm. www. Yeah. Um, or was it three variations? No, because then they're both HTTP and HTTP, HTTPS. Mm. Specifically, if you want to do a proper redirect, say you've been bought out by another company, so you need to change the domain of the website, then you need to go into Google and tell them about that redirect. But to do that, you need to make sure every single one of your sites is registered under each of those to mm. be able to redirect to the new one. Otherwise, it won't let you do it. Mm. You can't redirect properly in, in Google. In Google Webmasters, when you move from a HTTP site to a HTTPS site, it isn't seen like a site transfer to a new domain. Yeah. You actually kind of do it a bit silently. There isn't a button that kind of says, I want to move this to this. It is just putting in a new sitemap with HTTPS in. It's doing That's the 301 right. redirects on the site. And um, it's in, in your, certainly in WordPress, you get this, um, uh, it does it itself, you know, this canonical link in the head of the, uh, all the HTML documents. So it's like a little meta. Cool, we're bringing element. up all the terms, aren't we? Canonical yes. as well. So cano yes. canonical, for people who don't know, is basically a little bit of information that tells Google or anything crawling your website that this is the page of content. This is the original page of content. And if you were to have content on another website that is the same for there's very valid reasons to do that you can tell google that actually this page is just a duplicate the original page is over here mm. this is the canonical but most pages will cite themselves as the canonical resource yes. typically that it would yes why. yeah and what wordpress does once you do flip it over to https it will update all your canonical links to mm -hmm. be the https links also because don't forget, you've probably got a lot of sites out there on the internet linking to you with your HTTP uh, link. So those are still going to exist. And Google will you know, then realize, ah, oh, you've updated to this. It's certainly not going to penalize you for doing that because it wants you to. There may yeah. be a little bit of fluctuation in your rankings as, it, it, as the site kind of gets re-indexed with your HTTPS links. Mm -hmm. That is inevitable, unfortunately. Um, and that can take several weeks to sort of take place. And as for e external links coming into you at your HTTP reference. Ideally, they should be updated to be your new HTTPS links. But I yes. do appreciate in many cases, that's nigh and impossible to get changed. For you know, old links you might have out there that actually drive a lot of traffic through your site, you may, you know, you may not be able to get it altered. You might not be able to, as long as they're redirecting when they do come onto your site, at least you're not going to, to lose it. Yeah, it's better, it's than, better nothing. than nothing. Yes. Um, are there, I, I remember in the past you've had um, little gotchas and issues when you have e-commerce sites, which generally are all um, HTTPS, but mm -hmm. also with cache, caching. Okay, here's the thing. So typically HTTPS pages wouldn't be cached because I guess they're seen to have sensitive data on. 
But these days, I think a lot of caching takes place on the, the site itself. Where we use a, a caching plugin in WordPress that caches the pages. And you can just specifically say, don't cache any like checkout pages or any basket pages yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. Because you don't want to be seeing someone else's yeah, shopping. you wonder why the item you've added <laughs> has not been added, and some other mm. some other one's product has, has come up in there. Yes, but I guess that's true of any page anyway. Google itself shouldn't cache HTTPS pages locally for that same reason, as it mm. might have some sensitive data on. So I think there is definitely something in that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's a configuration issue there. Okay, so how would you go about? So you've talked about some of the things you do. Um, we've talked about installing it or you need to get a certificate with your hosting provider and get them to install it. Or if you have a dedicated server, you'd need to install it on there. And then there's some changes that you need to make to make sure every all the pages are redirecting over to HTTPS. Mm. Is there any other plugins you need, anything else you need to do, say, on a WordPress site? Well, on WordPress, you can have... Um, there is an HTTP SSL plugin that's it's kind of... It's been around for a long time, and it doesn't always get updated. Um, it's free, so that, that's fine. You know, I have no problem with that. People say it works or doesn't work. Um, it's one of those things you can just try. It might work. We it don't might know. Work. Yeah, it might work for your installation. That just helps to force all the internal links to HTTPS. Okay. It's a little bit like putting a patch, like a plaster on it. It's really you should mm. go in and update it all. Yes. Um, I okay. use a tool. I can put a link on here. Um, it's, it can be a dangerous tool if you don't know what you're doing. But it, it, what it does is it goes in and you can update anything in your WordPress database to be anything mm -hmm. else. So let's say you had a product that was renamed to a different product. You could use this tool to just completely change it on your website everywhere. Nice. So that could be quite useful for anything then. Yes. We do use so it like a find for... and replace, but for the WordPress database. Yes. Excellent. Yes. What fun you could have. I know. And it's, that's why it's so dangerous, because if you change <laughs> something which you shouldn't change, your web, WordPress website may well not work. And you would yeah. have to go to get a backup of your database. So it's fairly in-depth, and you need to know what you're doing before using it. Right. Okay. We use it for Excellent. site migrations. If we're using, if we're moving a site from one domain to another, it's a perfect tool for that. Again, we always take backups and everything prior to doing it, just in case of an issue. But you can also do it with HTTP to HTTPS links internally. Mm. So you, in one fell swoop, you can convert everything. Um, there are other things, plugins, sometimes hard code HTTP links. So I've had that before, where in a plugin it, it links out to somewhere using HTTP and it's hard coded mm. in the plugin. That's a problem. And um, that's a problem because it causes mixed content warnings. Yes, indeed. And which so, are quite scary looking. Yes. And it's uh, the, the messages you get in particularly Google Chrome browser is misleading and uh, slightly alarmist in my view, uh, in that as soon as you have even one thing that's not being called over HTTPS on your page, and that's a typical web page, maybe calling, I don't know, 50 things, images, other links, other scripts, stuff from external sites, maybe Twitter, Facebook, all this sort of thing. It's calling all these things in the background that you might not even be aware of. And all of those also need to be called over HTTPS. If there's yeah. just one of them, whatever it is, even if it's just an image, not being called with a HTTPS reference at the beginning, and it's been called with a HTTP reference, you're right in saying you will get what's called a mixed content warning, saying, some of this page is not secure. And it will say, people might be trying to steal your credit card details and take over your life. Uh, and, you know, that's not quite true. And with an image, you couldn't do that anyway. But um, yeah, I, I assume it. they're just they're erring on the side of caution. That, yes, 
Yes, and yeah. you get, you know, you get things saying this, this, you know, well, this side is not safe, and um, whereas sometimes they are safe. It's just that particular page you're looking at yeah. isn't safe, but it'll say that's... this site is not secure, which isn't actually true. So that page isn't secure, and that's why it's important to go through and make sure you check every page and and make sure they're all working correctly, and they're yeah. not coming up with any messages. Yeah, and how do you know that in Chrome? You can right click and do inspect, and then in the console it'll tell you the mixed content warnings you're getting. If you're technically minded, you can then go through and work out what that is. Another way of doing it is using an online service called winopadlock.com, mm -hmm. I think. We'll put a link on. And that enables you to put the page in that you're having trouble with, and it will tell you the reasons. It will basically list the mixed content oh, that's, warnings. Oh, that's handy. Yeah, and it will say, this is why one. you're not getting your little padlock. And it says, not secure at the top. Um, so, uh, Brilliant. Yes. Is there anything else in SSL that we need to know, or should we move on? Well, there's a, there's a whole raft, but probably for now, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough so, so basically, the, the advice would be that if you can make your site secure using HTTPS with an SSL certificate, then do so. Mm. If, it's, if, it's, if it's easy enough, it's not going to cost you a huge amount of money. It would be worth doing so, particularly if you rely on organic traffic, um, because Google, Google has said that they want this to happen, and... It, it might be, it looks like that they are prioritizing secure sites over non-secure sites. They certainly do mention it in search as well. I, I believe they put a secure site or insecure site. I can't remember which way yes. they do it against your listing, your, Imagine your that. search engine position that comes All up. they yeah, have you, to do is put this site is not secure and wow, who's going to visit yeah. your site then? Yeah, you don't want that. So yeah. I think it's definitely worth doing. Uh, it's not easy peasy unless you're on a platform like Wix, Squarespace and so on where they would have done this for you but if you've got your own site it's definitely worth investigating. Thank you Al. Um, before we move on I'm going to slip a little pover in if you don't mind. So this is um, one uh, that sort of came in a bit too late for last um, month's podcast. So this is from at RelocationPA on Twitter and they said uh, Relocation PA is Hereford's specialist and only HMO and shared accommodation letting and management agent. Um, you can get a hold of them if you go to Relocation PA and just look for them online. They should pop up so, uh, as result number one. And I must, must say we, we built their website, so hopefully you all like the website on that. Um, we did coax them to, to deliver this podvert, but I think it's worth you having a look at their site. So if anyone is in Hereford and looking for uh, a room to let, then uh, they they can obviously help with that. But really, they're looking for landlords to to manage that HMO property for them. So, yeah, that's at Relocation PA on Twitter. So next, you've got in the list here WordPress versus other CMSs. So first, a CMS is a content management system, just to get that mm. out of the way. So it's mm. just a way of managing content. Mm. But we bang on about WordPress. Um, why why do we use WordPress over other CMSs? You go first, then I'll give you my take. Okay. Well, this just came out of a Facebook uh, post. Again, I wasn't clicking with intention. I was just trawling around Facebook. I found this thing, and I was looking, and then, yeah, before you know it, it's midnight. But... Um, it was just, uh, I guess, people arguing against WordPress uh, or for WordPress on this sort of uh, thread. And, um, you know, some people were saying, why would you use WordPress? It's really insecure. And other people were saying, well, it's really well supported and it's free. And, you know, 40% of the website of websites use it and stuff. And then other people, you know, just disagree with that. And so I was thinking, well, there probably, there probably isn't a perfect um, CMS for everyone. And I, mm -hmm. again, I like analogies. So I was thinking, well, 
if there was such a thing as a perfect car, why doesn't everyone just drive that? Why is there any? Why isn't it just one make of car that's perfect? Yeah. <laughs> because people have different needs, different budgets, um, different aspirations, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so, again, a bit like cars. That's a good way of thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe WordPress is like the Ford Focus or <laughs> of car. No. <laughs> no, because it's popular. And it's quite easy to, it's quite okay. entry level in some ways, and quite easy to work with. Mm-hmm. And, and well, you know, it's a lot of them. <laughs> okay. Whereas, you know, if you wanted to use a really niche CMS, of which there are many out there, maybe less supported, there's less of you driving them, as it were, using them. And you also need maybe a higher level of, it's a higher learning curve to learn how to use it and maybe less support and stuff. So that might be. I so, a Jaguar. So li- yeah, a Jaguar <laughs> version. But list, list off uh, a few of the CMSs that y- you're familiar with. Oh, okay. Well, Here's again, I, I, yeah. Again, so I always say WordPress is like a foundation because you can literally build from it yeah. rather than having to start coding it. But you've got things like Joomla, which is popular. I've used Joomla uh, with a friend of mine who's doing something on Joomla. I immediately hated it. <laughs> I've and used it in the past with a friend, about, a friend yeah. of mine uh, from school I think you remember it uh, many years ago they've ditched it since but we were using it for their website and it was like horrible to use but it was many years ago probably eight years ago yeah um, uh, but again it has its place and I know of a big company or organisation using it at the moment for a massive site it works you know it, that, again it's horses for courses in a way mm-hmm. there's Drupal as well I haven't got much experience with Drupal, so I can't no. really comment on that. But again, the WordPress, Joomla and Drupal are like the three that kind of come up for like, which one do you need for this thing? Some of them just scale really well for massive enterprise solutions. WordPress can handle a lot, but for some things, it just isn't quite good enough, maybe, for what, depending on what I, you need. I, I think there are a lot of big sites that do run on WordPress. Mm. And I, I think to get at that point, you, you need to do a lot of work but it's it's possible. I think also with CMSs, you, you can look at it in two camps. There, we've talked about self-hosted ones where you buy the hosting, you download the files, and you manage mm. the site yourself. You can also get ones which are hosted for you. Mm. So we're looking at uh, Wix, Mister Site, Squarespace, mm. Mm. venturing in things like Shopify, WordPress. You can also they do a hosted version of WordPress. Mm-hmm. So there are there are those, and they're they're their own CMS, but they manage all of that for you. You don't have to update anything. Um, for me, they, they're quite useful. They're really quick to set up. You just pay a monthly fee and you're up and running instantly. But I find, from our point of view, we hit limits quite quickly. There's things that we want to do that are just, you feel you're hacking the site to try and get them to do it. And that if we had it in WordPress, um, just because we're more comfortable with it and we're more technically able to adapt anything we want, we could make the site do what we wanted. Mm. So I, I think for... A, for for me, WordPress is something a lot of people know how to use WordPress. If you get your website developed in WordPress, you will very easily be able to find another WordPress developer who mm. can work on it. Mm. And that is a good thing. Mm. Whereas if yes. you develop if you if you get someone to build you a custom CMS, then you might be able to find another developer, say you built it in something like PHP. So that's just a a, a programming scripting language people use on the web if you were to develop get someone to develop it in that that's great for you right now but if the developer is busy goes away you need to move it to another development agency they 
might understand PHP, but there's multitude of ways to write a CMS. And so they might not be able to pick it up and run with it. And they might say, well, actually, we've got our own. Let's use that. So the nice thing about WordPress is you don't have that issue. If we build you a website, that website can be moved to another company who can do it up in WordPress. There are still some nuances and issues, and we've taken over many WordPress sites where it's built in a way we wouldn't have done it, but <laughs> <Quite right. laughs> the core is familiar to us. And so yeah. it gets you up to speed very quickly. Mm. Um, and I, I think the reason we use it is familiarity. It was popular at the time that we decided to go all in on WordPress rather than developing our own CMS. And that's one of the reasons we chose it. It was a popular platform. But now we know it pretty well. And certainly you know it very well in terms of being able to extend it and get it to do things that WordPress wasn't designed to do initially. Mm. And so from our point of view, we want to double down on that when we actually want to get better at it. We can deliver that site faster, better and higher quality and more efficiently by knowing WordPress very well. But it mm. doesn't mean that it's the right choice for everyone. There's another one I missed actually called Magento, which is, is like WordPress, but aimed at e-commerce. Mm. But it's very similar. WordPress comes from the blog side of things. Magenta comes from the e-commerce side of things but essentially they've got plug-in platforms and ecosystems and they, they are self-hosted platforms or you can buy it and and uh, and they'll host it for you but um, we just prefer wordpress mm. it's an interesting topic i don't know if anyone's right per se well it's that's just what you prefer yeah it just comes down to yeah you might prefer the certain type of car and someone else well i need the car to do this i need the car to go really fast so i need a sports car or you might need a car a bigger car because you've got a big family so it does come down to what you need it to do but wordpress is very flexible and you can mm. do a lot with it and sure it started out as being like just for blogging but it was built in such a way with incredible foresight that you can really do so much with it and in terms of the database just in their core database that it uses you can do so many things just in the core tables. You don't need to add new tables. It, it's just really nicely done. So you, even a big site can just use the same core tables. Uh, I, I can't think how many there are. There's probably in like 10. Um, whereas other systems you know, make new tables every time and it's just all a bit of a mishmash. Mm. That's what I really like about WordPress is it, it, is it is quite flexible in that respect. Um, yeah. I think the, it's... Um... Sorry, but the, the guy on the... Facebook Ted is right in saying that, you know, um, WordPress is just being sort of hacked around and got to where it is. It's not been written to do exactly what it does now. It's kind of been morphed and changed. And some things in WordPress are a little bit like, why is it like that? And why <laughs> yeah. are some function names like this and others like that? And, uh, and you know, some, there's the specifics like the home page. If you sort of try and get the home page, it isn't actually the home page. It's the page that lists all your news. You know, so it's just little things like this because that originally was what the homepage was. It was like your yeah. news list. So it's just little nuances like that, which you get used to. And I'm sure every CMS has them. But I'd rather have something that has evolved through time than if you were to sit down and write WordPress, it would be so buggy. But because it's been evolved and, and contributed to by so many people and used by so many people, that it's less buggy because of that. And security, yes, you could argue it's, it gets hacked a lot. But then there's a lot of sites. I think, I think the reason it gets um, hacked a lot and it's a target is because it's, there's a large user base. Exactly. So it's worth doing. So I was just going to say we've mitigated some of that by developing our own theme. Mm. Um, now, unless we become wildly popular and can put out hundreds of thousands of sites, it's because we can develop our own theme. And a theme is um, you've got WordPress, the, the sort of 
core files of WordPress and the theme that, that allow you to administer all of the stuff on the site. And then the theme is what makes it look pretty. It, it does a lot more than that. I know I can, I can see how going, it, it's going to, it does a lot more, but essentially people see it as the, the theme is what gives it the look of your website. Um, we have in the past used, bought themes and those, if you're not careful, they can actually be the access point for a lot of hacks from WordPress. Um, and it's not WordPress itself, it's the plugins and the themes. But as we've developed our own theme, because they aren't used in many places, script and hack bots don't know about it and therefore don't know what to do. You know, we use the conventions that should be secure via WordPress and everything else is our own custom. So I think that's helped a lot in our regard for developing WordPress and keeping things up to date. But you're right, it's a large target. Yeah, it's a huge target. If you're a hacker, you'd, it'd be time well spent trying to hack WordPress because you've got a lot of potential <laughs> bases out there to get into. Absolutely. So, and uh, any uh, popular any, platform's going to exactly. have that. Exactly, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, my neighbour, he's got a little um, publishing company and he's got a website which he's had for years and years and years. I won't say what it is because I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to, uh, people to try and uh, hack it. But um, he's running a really like little CMS it's, goodness knows how old it is. Ten, you know, over ten years old. And, and it, again, it's not a CMS I've ever heard of. It's just mm. a very simple little bunch of scripts that run the site. And he doesn't have a problem with it because it, it's it's like security through obscurity. No one uses that, so no one's going to be bothered to hack it, really. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. There's a lot of debate really on on which to use, and I think it's it's going to be down to the the actual need of the company. We would always. For most applications, we recommend WordPress. Uh, and if not, actually, we, we're, we have to put our hands up and say we're unable to help. You know, we'll have to recommend other companies if, if there's a better application or format that their site or system would work in. So um, that sort of keeps us keen. There are a couple of other items on the agenda, but I just don't think we've got time for them, Al. I think we're going to have to leave them. But I'm going to tease them so oh, we no. have to bring them up next time. I know, okay. I know, they're, they're so good. So <laughs> anchor tags, adding anchor tags in WordPress, I think, is a small one, but something we should actually approach uh, talking a little bit about HTML and, and things that people could use in, in their content manager. Um, it, actually, if you know what they mean, it just helps you get around some limitations of these content managers. So anchor tags is one of them. Image resizing. There's a couple of there's a tool I found recently from Sprout Social called Landscape, um, but I think there's a bigger discussion there to talk about image editing mm. and what tools are available online and image compression. We could talk about. Oh yes, you've been doing some experiments with a new plugin, but we'll mm. um, we'll come back let's, to that let's one. Let's do that looks, all together. Yeah, that sounds yeah, interesting. that looks pretty good. So we could do that for next time. Mm. Uh, something I also do want to dive into. I don't know if it's a full topic, but maybe next time is music for productive work. So I listen to a lot of music when I'm working. Uh, and I find a certain type of music relaxing and, and helping me work uh, better. And it would be good to find out what you use out, if, mm. if anything at all. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe if we can um, see if we can find some articles on that to see what, what people like. I've got, a I've got a recommendation in here, but we'll save that until next time too. I think, I think there's something interesting there. Mm, that's an interesting topic. Um, great. So we'll leave it there. So Al, we can find you on Twitter at Inventive Al. Mm -hmm. I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter. Um, you can search for our company, ratherinventive.com online. You can see everything about us there. The sponsor was Be Sociable. Search for it online, Be Sociable Ben. Or if you want your free copy, go to ratherinventive.com. Scroll down the bottom, enter your email into the box, click subscribe, and you will get 
the book, a link to the PDF, completely free, and you'll be subscribed to our newsletter where you'll get lots of pretty cool stuff, stories, tools, and, and useful things like that. And you will never miss a podcast because we'll remind you about that too. Thanks very much, Raoul. Good to talk to you this month, and we'll see you uh, at some point uh, in June. Great. Speak to you then.